0: 1 Corinthians chapter 15 if you think of any please please let me know later on I mean again I will I will stay as long as you want and just talk about what's going on and what's what's on our heart because again we just touched the tip of the iceberg there is so much 1 Corinthians chapter 15 I want to talk a little bit about the gospel that's the number one thing yeah you know, he says that's the power of God unto salvation That's that's what we believe by. That is how we know we have eternal life by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the bedrock of everything. It's the cornerstone of everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what i preached to you unto you unless ye have believed in vain for i delivered unto you first of all that which i also received how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of of Cephas, and then of the twelve. And after that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time, I am the least of the apostles. I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being so good to us. Lord, we praise you. You are so great. Lord, we exalt you. You are so magnificent. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for saving our souls, Lord. We thank you for giving us purpose. We thank you for a home in heaven, Lord, forever with you. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us as we read these verses, Lord, and as we study this, Lord, that you would just remind us where our true home is what our true purpose is and it's in Jesus name we pray. amen. All right First Corinthians chapter 15 Paul had some things to say. look what he said in verse 15. moreover brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I love that right that we could stop right there and just examine that one phrase and then everybody go home because there's enough there to keep us busy for the rest of the evening and the rest of your lives. The word "declare" it means he's 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 proclaiming it. What's he saying? I preach the gospel. <laughs> I preach the gospel. I'm declaring the gospel. I'm letting everybody know the gospel. We have we have some words to declare. We have things to declare in our lives, and those things better be the word of God, not our own opinion, not our own psychiatry, psychology. Not, we don't want any of that mess. Now Argentina, there's plenty of that. It amazes me that anybody would follow the teachings of Sigmund Freud, but there's a whole bunch of them down there. The, the man was pretty sick. If you never read any of his stuff, stick with this book. You'll be better off. I've got a God that gives us something to declare. Now we're introduced here to something called the gospel. Well, that's a that's a style of music, right? No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Well, the gospel, you you go into the bookstore that says the gospel of computer networking or the gospel of this or the gospel. They have no idea what they're even saying. People have so many letters after them, they don't have a clue what they're saying. You want a definition of the gospel? It's right here. It's the good news. Well, what? Any good news? I mean, well, when the baby was born, it was great news. It was good news. But it wasn't the gospel. Oh, I tell you what, when when uh, the, the person, the patient finds out they don't have that terminal illness, it's good news, but it's not the gospel. Oh, there's a lot of good news. But this is specific good news. Specific good news. And he lines it out right here. He says, by, by the way, it's by this that we're saved. He says that in verse 2. It's by the gospel that we're saved. So, in other words, if if we want to make it to heaven, it's going to be by this message. It's going to be by by this means and no other. So, it's important to understand what we're talking about here. He says, verse 3 I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, first thing, died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now this is as if we had all night and and everybody's bottoms could endure that long where we start, flip back to the Old Testament and go from the beginning to the end and look at all the scriptures that that talk about Jesus and how he was going to die for our sins. We're not going to do that though. But it's there. It's there. Can you imagine when they were walking on the road to Emmaus and he says, they begin showing all of those things. He says, boy, the heart's burnt within us. <laughs> it's good stuff. You know, there's some people want to just get rid of all this stuff back here, but don't. This is good. It's rich. It all points out Jesus. It shows my Savior. It shows how He did it and, and, and what He was going to do and how good He was and He is. He died for our sins. According to the scriptures, it was exactly like the scriptures said he was going to do. Not one thing was out of place. Some people say, well, he faked his death, or he did this or that. No, he did not. There are so many things that he had. If it was just a charlatan, if he was just somebody that was putting on a show, could not have arranged. I mean, how do you, I mean, do you pay the soldier beforehand before he kills you to make sure that he doesn't break your bones? I mean, how does that work? Because if one bone was broken, he would have been invalidated. If one, I mean, think about that. That's a lot to leave to chance. Here's an ungodly man with a hammer or whatever he uses to break the legs. But nothing's left to chance because God's not a God of chance. <laughs> not one bone was broken. They took that spear and rammed it into his side, and out came water and blood. Luke being a physician, him being a doctor, was putting medical terms there saying he was really dead. He was really dead. And they say that he died of a broken heart. (laughs) He was truly dead. But not one bone was broken. He had no control over where he was born. He had no control over all of these things that happened in his life. He was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth said, so, no, no, mother, uh, we can't live in this city. I've got to live in this city so I can be the Savior of the world. No, it wasn't like that. God, he put everything the way it was supposed to be. Matter of fact, those Pharisees, they didn't know the fact that he was born in Bethlehem. They thought he was born in Nazareth. And they said, no, oh, this, this man can't be the Messiah because nothing comes from, you know, it's not from Nazareth, it's from Bethlehem, of Judah. That's where he was from. <laughs> they just didn't know it. If you don't have all the facts together, you can't make a good decision. God says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And you know, the Argentine people are thinking people. They're people that like to read. They like to discuss stuff. I mean, they'll sit in a coffee shop and talk for hours and, and debate and discuss. But just like those Pharisees, just like those scribes, if they don't have all the facts, they're not going to come out with the right answer. You cannot come out with the right answer if you if you're not given the right facts. We've got the right facts right here. Let's give them something to debate, let's give them something to discuss that'll change your life. He died for our sins. I like what John the Baptist said. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that did, did what? Die? Yes, that's right. He taketh away the sin of the world. It's in singular there. He didn't just die for this sin and that sin. He died for the sin in its entirety. He died for sin. Left nothing for you and me to fix our own. Died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So three things we have here. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. Again, this is all things that was prophesied that was going to happen. And the third thing, that he rose again the third day. Don't leave off that last part, according to the scriptures. Just like the Bible said he was going to do, he rose again. He is the first fruits of the resurrection you know, they would take the the, the first fruits of the, of the harvest, they would bind it together as an offering to the Lord. He was the first fruits of the resurrection. And by his resurrection, we know he's going to raise us. We have that hope. You, l- later in the same chapter, he talks about that hope that we have. And if we don't have that type of hope, we're all men most miserable. I feel so sorry for the person without God. You know, the people group that was... Scary for me to, to speak to when I was younger in my ministry was the rich person that had it all figured out in this life, or so it seemed. They had their portfolio in order, they had their business in order, they had a good bank book. Maybe they had a beautiful house. Maybe he lived on this side of the house and she lived on that. But anyway, from the outside, it looked nice. Oh, God's given me a heart for some of these people because they're lost. It's the most miserable existence possible to have it all here, but not have anything. No hope of eternal life. No hope of the future. Understand, if this is all there was here on this earth, that's sad. I've got a home coming up. I've got a place reserved for me. My name is written there. I know it's there. You go down to a Catholic country and you ask somebody if they know for a fact whether they're going to go to heaven. They say, oh, I hope so. I hope so. We're all working to get there. That's what they'll say, something like that. I said, no, I'm not working to get there. My Savior worked to get me there. And you take him to that verse. That says that we may know that we have eternal life he wants us to know that we can know I've got a home reserved for me I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ I believe that he raised bodily I believe that that he is at the right hand of the Father I believe that he is building a place for us and I say what's it look like I don't know Does it matter am I live in an RV it doesn't matter. <laughs> Abraham spent his whole life dwelling in tents, looking for a city whose author and builder is God. I've got a God that can put stuff together. He spoke and the world's refrained. He did all that. <laughs> it's going to be good. Now, you know the thing I like about this? First of all, not only did he do it just like he said he was going to do it. I always love that when somebody says, this is what I'm going to do right here. And then you watch them and that's what they go and do. I love that. God did that. But you know the great thing I, I like about this? He didn't do it in a corner. You didn't have to take somebody else's word for it. It was a public thing. Oh, everybody in the temple the day that Jesus died, they saw the veil rent in two and they ripped right down the middle imagine being the priest standing there and all of a sudden you're looking into the holy holies of God he's afraid he's going to die right there can you imagine it can you imagine the city around Jerusalem when Jesus died and, and some of the dead saints rose up from the grave and, and here's great grandpa Mordecai at the door Hadn't seen him in years since you buried him, and he's looking pretty good. <laughs> Can you imagine that? This was not done in a corner. When Jesus raised, they saw him. And it goes through a list here. He says he was seen of Kephas. Some people say Cephas. Yeah, you pronounce it however you want. But that's Peter. And then of the 12, he says, And after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. I like that. It was not done in a corner. He says, of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are falling asleep. Furthermore, if you want to expound on that, you can turn, you know, sometime turn to Acts chapter 2, and you can see what God did. Now, first of all, understand, you know, if you've got a Bible with commentary stuff, they're all mixed up. They think that's when the Lord's New Testament church started. It wasn't. It started during his earthly ministry. Most people are confused. Don't go with the majority. You know, go with what's right. But you know what God did on that day? He showed everybody that gathered there. All the Jewish people came for that feast day. All the proselytes came for that feast day. They were all gathered there, and God pointed out the ones that were His. God does not do this stuff in a corner. Why is this important? Okay, false religion says, oh, you just take my word for it. Take my word for it. Muhammad says he went into a cave, went in illiterate, came out being able to read and write. A miracle. Woo. And God spoke to him in the, in the cave, I guess. Well, how do I verify that? No, you just got to take my word for it. Really? God did this, and everybody saw it. The same way he did when he gave the law of Moses. They saw the smoke. They saw the fire. The whole place quaked. He did not do it in a corner. Everybody saw it. <laughs> That's the kind of God I have. I was debating with uh, this uh, charismatic lady once, and I was speaking to her and I was showing her facts out of the Scripture. And every time there was something that she couldn't answer, she went. <laughs> I guess trying to reestablish connection. I guess it's kind of like your cell phone when it loses its signal and it's got to reconnect. God is not going to give you some revelation outside of this book. This is it. This is where it is. And the great thing about that is you don't have to have some miracle to prove something. You've got the Word of God. You've got the promises of God. And that is better than anything else that anybody can ever try to pull Because this is true. And it's by this gospel that we're saved. It's by this message we're saved. By realizing we're sinners in need of a Savior. And that Jesus died on the cross to die for our sin, just like the Scripture said He was going to do. And that He was buried. And that He rose again the third day, just like the Scripture said. That's the message that we preach. That's the message we're saved by. And furthermore, when a person follows the Lord in scriptural baptism, that's what it's it's showing. It's showing death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. And you know that water doesn't save them. It doesn't help them to be extra saved. It doesn't wash away anything. What it does is it shows everybody in the world, I'm following Jesus now. I'm identifying with my Lord, who went through it all for me. I'm putting on the uniform of Christ, and I'm following Him. So we're saved by, by grace through faith, apart from any works, by trusting in His name, repenting of our sins. We follow we begin following the Lord after we're saved because we're saved. and each day the walk grows sweeter. What's your need? What's your need? turn.